Welcome to the Access Patchogue podcast, where everything we do revolves around Jesus. Thank you for joining us, and please enjoy the following message. Luke 11 and 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I want you to say that with me. Lord, teach us to pray. Good. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Some of you pray this prayer real good. Lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. Listen to his story. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Verse 6, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get them up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your, I love this word right here, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Somebody say, as much as I need, as much as he wants to give you, as much as you need. Verse 9 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who find, seeks shall find. And to the one who knocks, the door shall be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Listen to what Jesus is saying here. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Here it is right here, y'all. How much more? How much more? How much more? I'm sorry, I'm staying there for a second. How much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, ah, Holy Spirit, we rely on you right now. We depend on the increase of the abundance of what heaven is full of. We can't do this on our own. Whether it be listening to your word, hearing your word, receiving your word, doing your word, or even praying for that matter. But with your help, Father, we know all things are possible to those who believe. So right now, Father, we ask that you throw your strength and your weight around in this room. Prove yourself as God. Father, flex your muscles in this room as we bow to your presence. Speak to us from on high. As I decrease, may you increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can you have your seats right now, please? Turn to your neighbor and say, or ask them rather, do you have fight talk? You have, do you know? Ask someone else. Ask them, ask them, do you know how to fight talk? Do you know 
how to fight with your words? Do you know how to fight with your language? Do you, do you know how to pray? That's my question. Come on, look at someone. Don't, don't be shy. Don't be timid. Don't be intimidated. Come on, look at someone and say, hello. Hi, hey, hi, hi, how are you? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Fight talk, fight talk. For those of you who know my story, uh, you're aware uh, I'm from a place west from here called Brentwood, also known as B-Wood. Any B-Wood people in here? No? Okay, B-Wood. B-Wood. And obviously, as you can see, uh, Sister Kathy, that I'm proud of it. I lived on a street called Hayward, which was of the northern part of Brentwood. And there on Hayward Street is where I spent most of my teenage years as the second eldest of four children raised under a single parent, my mother. Uh, there on Hayward Street, you would find places like bodegas, and it used to be there, not any longer, IGA. And uh, you would find places like uh, 7-Eleven, when 7-Eleven wasn't as big as 7-Eleven is today. You, you would find uh, crackheads, maybe, and bums, all sorts of people on the street. But this was my upbringing, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it. It was called Hayward Street. And uh, as a uh, resident of the Brentwood area, I attended a middle school called Brentwood North Middle and a high school called Brentwood Sonderling, not Ross, Sonderling. An absolutely amazing place. See, we got some people in here that know what I'm talking about, by which I've experienced some memorable moments. Go Indians, go Indians. But I think one of the most interesting memories from my early years as a teenager is when I attended ninth grade. Uh, now, here's what I want you to understand about Brentwood if you're a little lost by what I'm saying. For some of you, you're from uh, Patchogue, you're from Sachem, you're from all sorts of areas, but Brentwood was the best. I'll leave it at that. Uh, between north, east, west, and the southern parts of Brentwood, there are so many ninth graders in each region. There's a separate ninth grade center only for freshman students. So eighth graders would graduate to the ninth grade center and then to the high school after that. And once graduated to 10th grade, you made it to the big leagues, y'all. You survived. It's called Brentwood High. And this school, my friends, is so overpopulated, it's divided into two sections called Sonderling and Ross. Again, Sonderling being the foremost. This high school, my friends, is a sprawling campus. This school is a beast. The student-to-teacher ratio is 19 to 1. And just last year alone, the graduating class was about 1,200 students. My God. But it was at the ninth grade center, the freshman center. Anybody remember that place? That I've experienced the most action, my friends, because this is where all the fights happened. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't, I'm not, I am not violent minded. But all I'm saying is that there was some action going down at the Brentwood Freshman Center. There was all types of fights going on over there, y'all. Boy versus boy, girl versus girl. Girl versus boy, and girls won many of those fights, by the way. Dad versus son, mom versus daughter, heck, mom versus dad, me versus me, and I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'm telling you, there was absolute pandemonium at that place. A good old bucket of popcorn and a medium Coke is all you needed to complete your time with all this face-punching, weave-snatching action. 
The fight card, my friends, was stacked with bouts involving squad versus squad. Y'all remember that? East Coast versus West Coast. Biggie versus Pac. Shirts versus skins. Teachers versus students. Girlfriend versus boyfriend. And us versus them. We fought so much, we forgot what it was that we were fighting about. I'm just going to be darn honest with you. We, we didn't even know what we were fighting about anymore. Uh, but no fight was ever fought without first the execution of something called trash talking. Y'all remember trash talking? Your mama sold this, your daddy sold that, your waist is so big, you so black, right? We, we, used to, we used to come up with all sorts of stuff. You would never put your hands on someone until there was first an engagement with vocal or verbal confrontation. And you always knew when something was about to pop off once you heard someone getting loud or aggressive with the words. How many of y'all remember that? But, but, but words my friends, was the first form of aggression before physical demonstration. And if we look at this from a parable point of view, my friends, since we've been talking about parables lately, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. In ninth grade, we called it trash talking, but in church, as people of prayer, we call it fight talk. Because before you will ever see the physical demonstration of a thing, there must first be a spiritual declaration oh God before you see visible things manifest there must first be an occurrence in the invisible things words my friends and you know this cannot be seen they're invisible but words can be heard and what is heard elicits and creates a response meaning the words we speak from our mouths should always produce a reaction. Y'all hear this in here. Please understand, friends, that words are so powerful, they were made not to be ignored. Genesis 1, for instance, tells us in the Bible that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Because words creates a response and a reaction. In Isaiah 55 and 11, God says, My words will be that go out from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I desire. Telling us that words aren't just audible sounds that come from our mouth, but there are actual intentional language that flows from a place of desire. Yes, that, that flows from a place of desire. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Life and death. How many of y'all know that scripture, is in the power, what, of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Again, it's our words that creates a response, but it's how we use our words, friends, that determines what type of response we will receive. Is this making sense? I need you to ask yourself the question, what type of response do you expect as a result of what you have prayed? And what life-altering words, life-altering, life-shifting words, uh, earthquakes, sounds, and rivers, and waters, do you speak out of your mouth that is literally altering the lives of those that you're surrounded by? Do you pray on this level? Do you even pray at all? I need you to understand that as a child of God, it is very important that we are always found praying. Come on, somebody say praying, praying. Praying, praying. How do you say what you say? And when you say what you say, my question is, do you mean what you say? My friends, prayer is fight talk. And before you can tangibly obtain something from it, you must first intangibly engage into it. 
prayer is intangible engagement. Is this making sense? Because many times when we pray, we haven't even received what we're praying for. But I've got good news for you, friends. Mark eleven twenty four says, whatever we pray for, believe that we receive it, and it is ours. Because the word of God promises that if we pray in faith, the response of our fight talk will be extremely rewarding. Is this making sense? You may start prayer intangibly, but friends, I'm here to let you know that if you pray in faith, you will finish strong with tangible answers, miraculous blessings, and godly rewards, all because you prayed according to faith. Prayer is warfare. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, prayer is warfare. Prayer is warfare. You have got to understand that. This is not the time in prayer to cower or to hide. This is not the time to tuck your tail in between your legs and run away. Prayer is a moment to stand your ground, puff out your chest, and speak and declare the word of God over a situation. To speak things not as though they are, come on church, but as they should be. Because you have been given the authority as a speaking spirit not to wait for things to happen, but by prayer and by faith, activate and make things happen on your behalf. Is this making sense? Prayer is warfare. Everybody say warfare. It's warfare is what prayer is. And every form of warfare you have to understand, friends. Can I teach it, mom? There are things called rules of engagement. The United States Marine Corps particularly gives new recruits a manual called the Law of War, which helps them understand how to engage in times of battle, in times of shaking. Well, how many of you know in here that you're a soldier in the army of the Lord? How many of you know that you are God's warrior, that you're God's man of war, you're God's woman of war? And our Lord, our commander-in-chief, God Almighty himself, has provided us a manual just like the Marine Corps recruits. He's given us a manual to teach us and instruct us how to properly and effectively engage in spiritual warfare. And that manual, my friends is called the B-I-B-L-E. It's called the Bible. And in the Bible, my friends, there are four specific details on how to pray like a warrior. I wonder who here is ready to pray like a warrior. I wonder who here is ready to pray like a soldier. And I mean the type of prayer that doesn't so much get you so worked up, but the type of prayer that moves mountains and yonders, hills, and literally shakes rivers and and causes things to shift by the very opening of your mouth and by your command the Bible says whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth is loose in heaven who wants to begin to pray like that the type of prayer that is literally going to raise dead bodies and open up blinded I know this sounds a little far-fetched but let me tell you something there is power in prayer I wish I had somebody I want you to know friends that there are four effects steps to being a prayer warrior and these are as follows number one and you can write this down you are to pray with intent number two you are to pray with intensity number three you are to pray with interest 
And number four, you are to pray with initiative. I'm going to say it again. There are four valuable, effective steps. I said, and I'm going to ask you again, who wants to pray like a warrior in here? If you want to pray and see some results, and when I say results, I mean immediate results. The scripture declares that our God is swift, that he is powerful, that he is strong, and that it doesn't take God all night. How many of y'all know that? It don't take God all night to answer your awesome prayers but all it takes is a heart of intensity for the bible says that the effectual fervent prayers of righteous people availeth much and i need to take some time to teach us because we're about to start our prayer services soon in about a month so i need us when we come together to pray to know what we're actually doing i need you to understand that when the scripture says the effectual fervent prayers of righteous people availeth much what it was referring to when it said effectual it means effective when it says fervent, it means intense. One thing I want you to remember is that when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, how many of you remember that? Remember he prayed, Father, if it be possible, take this bitter cup from me. I need you to know that the Bible declares that Jesus sweat great drops of blood. Jesus prayed on such an intense level that literally something was shifting and moving on his behalf. Now the question that stands here is if Jesus prayed intensely, why don't you? If Jesus prayed and sweat, then why can't you sweat? If Jesus, if, if Jesus went into a place of, of desperation and, 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 and intensity, why is it that we can't pray on the same level? If Jesus prayed, he told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you, then why do we feel as though it is not our place to pray? The Bible declares that men should always pray and what? And faint not. I'm telling you right now, you will not faint as long as you're praying. You will not fail as, oh God, be encouraged church you will not fail as long as you're praying as long as there's a praying individual in a church full of hellions you better believe that God is still going to move on your behalf for the scripture says that if two or three are gathered in my name then I'm in the midst in other words what that means my friends is that it doesn't take a lot of people to get God to move but sometimes you've got to realize that it takes a lot of intensity it takes a lot of heart and it takes a lot of wit and understanding of how to exercise exercise and use the word of God to your advantage. So number one, we pray with intent. Number two, we pray with intensity. Everybody say intensity, intensity. We're about to pray with intensity. I want you to know this. Number three, you have to pray with interest. And number four, you have to pray with initiative. So let's talk about praying with intent. Here's how you pray with intent. You could write this down if you like. Say what you mean. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say what you mean. Say what you mean. Say what you mean. What you saying. And if you saying something, then mean what you're saying say what you mean pray with intention pray with an objective this is what it means to pray with intent y'all stop dancing around the subject or else the devil will parade on your turf I want to say that again stop dancing around the subject or else the devil will parade on your turf get to the point saints of the most high God some of us we pray and we come before the Lord father we come before you right now with humble hearts and with thanksgiving in our hearts and we just want to let you know that we're reaching you we're touching you and we want to feel your presence right now God is saying uh I thank you for that but could you just please get to the point Jesus taught his disciples that when you pray start off strong by saying father he doesn't even want you I know I know your religion has 
has, has crippled your mind, but he doesn't even want you to call him God. He doesn't even want you to call him Lord. He doesn't even want you to call him master. Jesus told his disciples that when you pray, this is how you're specifically taught to pray. Say these words, Father, that's it. And once you say the word Father, look, you take on the role as a son, and what good father does not want to heed to the voice of his sons and daughters? Y'all hearing this in here? You need to understand that prayer is intimate conversation. Prayer flows from a place of relationship. The effective prayer flows from a place of commonality and familiarity. You can't pray effectively and be unfamiliar to God. You can't pray effectively and be unfamiliar to his word. So the scripture tells us, it says pray with an objective. Don't dance around the subject. Get straight to the point. I need you to understand that there are some moments in life that we have to pray on assignment. Anybody ever pray on assignment? Look, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to go through all the preliminaries. The scripture says in Old Testament, he was known as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisa, Jehovah Salom, the God of peace, the God of my healer, Jehovah Rophi, El Roy, El Elyon. We could go through all these names, but thanks be unto God, he sent his only begotten son, and his name was simply Jesus, so that when you come before his presence with thanksgiving, all you have to do is call on the matchless and greatest name that has ever been in existence, and at the name of what? Jesus. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall... Is this making sense? You don't have to go through the preliminaries anymore. Jesus, when he died on the cross, my friends, he took that veil and he tore it in twain so you don't have to go through the preliminaries of the outer courts. Come the Bible study. The inner courts. Come the Bible study. You don't have to go through all of this stuff, but you can go straight into the holies of holies, and that's why the Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of God. You don't have to be a high priest. You don't have to be a part of the Levitical tribe. You don't have to be a part of the kingdom of Dan. You don't have to be from Simeon or Reuben. Look, you have to just call on the name that is greater than every name, that this name, there's no other name of the heaven. The scripture says by men can be saved. And that name, what's that name, y'all? That name is what? Jesus. Come on, turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, do you know that name? Do you know that name? You can pray on assignment effectively without going through the preliminaries. And I need most of you to understand that. Can I just give them a touch of Bible study, Aunt Lizzie? If you were a Gentile, you wouldn't be able to talk. If you were a Gentile, you wouldn't be able to enter into that temple. They had specific courts for the Gentiles to dwell and only wonder what it was like to be on the inside. But thanks be unto God, Jesus, he came to give us a gospel that is not only exclusive to the Jewish, but is relatable to the Gentile. Come on, somebody. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And how many of you can honestly say, I was lost, I was messed up, I didn't have it all together, but thanks be unto God, Jesus came and he died for my sins. And as a result of that death, he has given me a connection to him that all I have to do is call on his name. And he said, listen, just call me father when you come in. I want you all to start praying with a goal of getting a response. Here's what I want you to know. When you pray with intent, y'all ready? You're not long-winded. Y'all hear this in here. You don't have to pray for a long time. How many of y'all know an hour is not a long time? An hour flies by like that. So when Jesus asked his disciples, can you not just have prayed for an hour? He was asking a very small thing of them. Come on, saints. And there's so many people in this room and 
trust me, I'm guilty of this at times, where an hour seems like a long time. <laughs> but I need you to understand that spending time in the presence of the Lord, it should be pleasurable, it should be joyous, it should be blissful. Come on, it should be the most best thing that you've ever done. And one hour is not going to make or break your schedule. As a matter of fact, one hour will make and should break everything that the enemy is trying to do in your life. I need people in here to be inspired to get back to a place of prayer. When you turn back to your first love, pray but don't pray for long. Look, there is a place in prayer when it comes to intent that we have got to just get to the point. Get to the point when you pray. When you pray with intent, get to the point. When you pray with intent, you pray with as few words as possible. I want to challenge people in this room for this week of prayer. When you take out time with the Lord, I want to encourage you to even do so. Take out time with the Lord. When you pray, use as few words as possible. Is this making sense? Pray with intent. If you know what you're meant to pray for, if you know what you want to pray for, then why are you taking all day to pray about it? Why are you going through the preliminaries when that's not even something that ratifies prayer any longer? It's inexistent. It's non-existent. It's ineffective. Just get to the point with God and talk to him. Is anybody getting this in here? I'm telling you, this is going to bless your very life. I need you to pray with as few words as possible, but with as much intensity as needed. I'm going to say that again. I want you to pray with as few words as possible, but with as much intensity as needed. I love y'all that are taking down your notes and everyone else, of course, but I especially appreciate the notes taking. Do not waste your time when you're coming into the presence of the Lord. How many of you understand that one hour ain't enough time to address all the problems in your life? But Christ is giving you an hour block to just take out this time and tell him what you want. How many of you realize that Christ wants to know what your desires are? He is not far removed concerning what your desires are, what your pleasures are, what your heart's needs are. He exactly knows what it is. But he has designed prayer so that you can be bold enough and take off condemnation and put on the breastplate of righteousness and come before him boldly and say, Father, I am your child and I am in need of help. Here's what it is. I want you to get used to telling God. I know for so long, Mom, we've been taught by the church, don't go to God and tell him what you want. Don't go to God and tell him what you need. But I'm here to let you know that he is a need meter. He wants to meet your desires. He wants to fulfill your life. He wants it to be that your life is full of everything that Father God has for you. But he wants you to know that you should always ask of him. Number two, everybody say number two, number two. But before we get to number two, let me just talk about this for a second. Just praying with intent. In the prayer of Jabez, anybody remember that prayer? The prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4 and 10. The scripture says Jabez cried out to God exclaiming. Look at how he prays. He uses this word. Oh, look, he's using intensity. He says, oh, that thou would bless me and enlarge my territory. Jabez could have said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you are so good. And I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to um, fluff you up a little bit. Anybody ever do that? You, you ever be guilty of doing that? You're like fluff him up. Like, like he needs to be cranked up. <laughs> some of us, some of us are so guilty of doing this when we come in prayer, right? And some of us are, feel so unworthy to even ask him for anything. We, we just want to celebrate him and praise him because we just thank you, God. I've been such a sinner. Thank God you kept me alive. That's, just, that's all I want. <laughs> you don't even have enough time to ask the Lord for something because condemnation has weighed on you so heavy, you would not even dare ask him. 
Jesus. Somebody's getting this in here. You would not even dare come before him and say, Father, you know, I fell a little short here. I'm wondering if because you're Jehovah Jireh, you can meet this need, right? You wouldn't even dare have the audacity to ask him. But I'm here to take the layers and the limits off of you in the name of Jesus as your pastor and as your shepherd. Get that condemnation off of you because as long as that condemnation works you and wears you out, you will never get to the point and ask him for what you need. But Father God wants to give you your needs and you have got to understand that that's why he said ask. Why would he say ask if he didn't mean to fulfill your needs? Think about that for just a second. Jabez says that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. He said, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And then he ends the prayer like this, and God grant his request in Jesus' name. Look, I need you to understand that when you're intentional, when you pray with intention, Father God immediately responds because you have put your prayer on assignment. And there's no one that likes a prayer that's aimed more than God. Aim your prayer. Focus your prayer. Come on, somebody. Take out a day where you literally, on Mondays, I'm going to pray for my children. That's all I'm praying for. Don't exacerbate yourself. Don't exhaust yourself with all these words that you just heap up before the Lord. Take out time. Create a schedule. Create a calendar. Is anybody getting this? I want to encourage you, saints of God, as your pastor, take a, have as much fun with prayer as you could possibly have. Prayer is so boring for you because you do it the same way all the time. And the same, my friends, quite frankly is lame if you keep doing the same thing how do you how in the world would you expect different results if you keep doing the same thing how in the world is it going to become enjoyable father God wants you to have fun with prayer he wants you to bask in his presence come on somebody he wants you to gaze upon his glory he wants you to have a good time in prayer prayer should not be as boring as putting you to sleep the devil is a liar and I speak against that in the name of Jesus because I'm guilty of praying on this altar and falling asleep I'm gonna be honest with you but my God prayer should be fun as a matter of fact some of you should go out into your bedrooms and you should walk into your hallways. You should walk out in the front of your porch and just pray. I want to encourage some people in here. Get out of your house and do a prayer walk in your neighborhood and on your streets. Start praying over 336 Boulevard and 55 this and that and whatever. Start declaring something over your neighbors. They don't got to know. You just look crazy. Who cares? Pray, church. When you pray with intent, you realize, you ready for this? Write this down. Short prayers go long distances. Did you get that? The next thing I want to tell you, you don't have to be long to be strong. I'll leave that alone. You don't have to be long to be strong. Short prayers go long distances. Number two, everybody say pray with intensity. Who's learning something today? Who's learning something today? Is this firing you up? I pray this fire the devil is defeated today. Pray with intensity. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's how you pray with intensity. You ready, Sister Kathy? Mean what you say. Remember, intent is say what you mean, but intensity is mean what you say. Put, oh Lord, y'all ready for this? Put an exclamation mark after every word when you pray with intensity. Don't ever. Now, there are moments where you pray with intent. Keep it. 
And then there's some moments, Sister Kathy, where we have to shift and transition and go into intense prayer. <laughs> Anybody ever pray intensely like Sister Elizabeth did on the screen? Y'all remember that? Devil! You got to get out. You ain't having my man. You ain't taking. There's sometimes we got to move that head like this. We got to shake our finger like this. We got to put our hands on our hips. We got to put the dukes up. We got to start slipping. We got to start throwing some jabs and some hooks. Come on, somebody. There are some moments in prayer that you have got to pray with intensity. That is not an always moment, but there are some moments where you got to get straight ratchet and ghetto and, and get up in the, in the devil's face and tell him where to go and how to go. Come on. So you pray with intensity. And when you pray with intensity, you mean what you say. But listen, listen to this. You are articulately aggressive. Jesus, catch that. Because some of us are aggressive with our words, but we're not articulate. We're just saying stuff. And God, you know, ah, God and God and God. Okay, tell me what you want, though. <laughs> You, you clearly have my attention, but I want to know what you want me to do for you. God, help me in here. Because he wants to do it for you. And you did good at getting his attention, right? When you came in here today, you worship, you praise, you sang, you saw First Lady jumping up in the air. She was about to float up in there with a parachute dress. But you, you don't realize that we got God's attention. Now, the moment you get his attention is when the music should stop. My God. Where the music should stop and the singers stop singing and the congregation now lifts up a sound that's in the spirit. Fight talk is articulate aggressiveness. Articulate now, children of God. Speak to daddy and tell him what you want. And use your words, children. We will stand in the presence of the Lord, Brother Ross, and we will pout and we will shake and we'll dance all around the church. We'll sweat it out. We'll shout it out, right? We'll spin it out. We'll roll on the floor. But at the end of the day, Father God says, okay, now when are you going to get to telling me what it is that you're here for? Oh my God. I believe that it's very important that we get used to using the articulation of the Word of God. And the best way to be articulate and sound in prayer is to establish a biblical literacy. He said, don't say your words. He said, say my words. This is the law of confession, to say what already has been said. And if his word says it, then that settles it, my friends. And this is how you use the law of confession. Y'all ready for this? Lord, you said, wealth and riches is in my house. Y'all ain't hearing me. Wealth and riches is in my house. Lord, you said that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Lord, you said that healing is the deliverance and the children's bread. Lord, you said that I shall be uh, wealthy in the city, wealthy in the field, wealthy when I come and wealthy when I go. Lord, you said that I'm the head and not the tail, the lender and not the bar. Is this making sense? Lord, you said. Use his word and articulate his will. One thing God will never deny is his will for your life. Oh. Don't pray wildly without aim, but don't pray quietly without power. I'm going to say that again. Don't pray wildly without aim. But don't pray quietly without power. There are moments where we have to be quiet in prayer because you just can't pray like that, like you do at home at your job. You can't. <laughs> right? Because people are going to start trying to get you out. Now you're going to be having to pray for a new job. 
right? But how many of you realize that there's moments where it's not intense? It doesn't have to be loud. But if it's quiet, at least pray with power. Pray with a heart involved with what you're saying. Never pray without the expectation of an answer. <laughs> Why are you? Some of us, we're kidding ourselves. We're praying, but we're not expecting. Why are you even taking out the time to pray then? You might as well punch your card and go in and leave. Look, but if you're on the clock, if you're on God's time, then at least pray expecting something in return. Come on, saints. There is nothing wrong with expectation and anticipation. And I'm here to encourage you that the power of expectation is the breeding ground of a miracle. If you expect, you will see it. Don't do it. Don't do it now. They're trying to get me to preach now. Y'all heard that? Don't do that. Never pray without the expectation of an answer. I think we're already getting there. Oh, Jesus, Sister Kathy, just hold, hold, on, hold on to your horses here. Pray with passion. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray with passion. Pray with passion. This is how you pray intensely. This is one of my favorite ways of praying, as you can probably tell. I pray with a lot of passion. Pray as if your next breath depended on it. Jesus. Good notes taken now. Do you pray on that level? as if the next breath you took depended on your next prayer. King Hezekiah, can I remind you all of him? He prayed with intensity after being told he would soon die. But the scripture says, according to 2 Kings 20 and 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Jesus, I love you in here. And prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. The Bible says that Hezekiah wept bitterly. Do you know what that means? He prayed with intensity. He pushed. He prayed until something happened. Write that down, that acronym right there. P-U-S-H, push. Pray until something happens. I believe, Sister Kathy, that the church is getting back to a place where we're going to pray until something happens. We're not going to leave. We're not going anywhere. We're not in a rush to get to somewhere else. We're going to sit here and we're going to pray until Father God does something miraculous, until he opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that there would not be room enough to receive it, but nothing will happen in heaven until the earth speaks. Stop. Why do they keep trying to do that? <laughs> uh, uh. And God responds to Hezekiah. You all ready, Aunt Lizzie? Saying, this is what God says to Hezekiah. I have heard your prayer. In that self-same hour, it did not take him on. See, some of y'all don't realize it, but when you pray for an hour, you're actually getting the answer. Oh, Lord, you, you think you're talking for an hour, but what really God is doing is he's giving you an answer for an hour. He's giving you, the, oh, Lord, he's giving you the blueprint. He's giving you the assignment. He's giving you the answer. He's opening up doors. Come on, church in here. I'm telling you, you got to pray until something happens. And the scripture says, as a result of Hezekiah's prayer, the Lord said, I will extend unto your life 15 years. Pray like your life depended on it. When you pray with intensity, friends, you ready to hear this? 
you realize strong prayers win strong battles. Strong prayers win strong battles. Little prayers lose big battles. I didn't say little prayers lose all battles. But little prayers lose big battles. Telling us no matter how big your battle is, you could never match a big battle up with a little prayer. Jesus, help me in here. You have got to have a strong prayer, Lord Jesus. And it doesn't have to sound like this. You have to have a strong prayer, however, for strong battles. Strong prayers win strong battles. Number three, pray with interest. We're almost done, y'all. Pray with interest. Do you know what that means? Praying prayers that concern you the most. What bothers you? What ails you? What turns your gears? What, what pushes your buttons the most? Well, have you stopped cursing about it and started praying about it? Oops. Have you stopped complaining about it? Jesus knows all about my struggles. Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped, excuse me, con, uh, complaining about it and started praying about it? Have you stopped fussing about it and started praying about it finally? When are you going to get it that Father God wants to move in that area of your life? But the more you fuss and the more you fight, the more it will never get done. Look, I have you, I, I got you, I, you got to understand something. When I was a child and my mom fed me from a part of her body, I'll leave it like that. I'm pretty sure there was moments where I cried. Right, Mom? I cried, right? But if I was in such a fix of crying and being emotional and, 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 and just having, having a fit and, you know, doing what I wanted to do, when would it ever get to a point where I would just get what I actually needed? I couldn't get what I needed until I calmed down. I couldn't get what I needed until I trusted the process and just relaxed. And this is what Father God is saying. Just relax. I got this. But pray. You're fighting a battle that cannot be won. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's, friends. Your arms and muscles are too feeble and weak to uphold this weight that's on you. Just give it over to the Lord. Lower your voice, Kyle. Pray prayers that concern you the most. Pray as if your aim is to always get God's attention based upon how motivated you are about what you prayed. Pray like that. That's when we pray with interest, Brother Darius. Show interest to God about your request, and he'll show interest about your need. If you're not interested about, <laughs> if you're not interested about what you're praying about, what makes you think he is? It's like having a conversation, Carmen, saying, hey, how you doing, girl? I'm doing good. Um, well, I had a day today, and I was, um, but anyway, um, so uh, what happened was, I don't really know what happened. I don't really care. Uh, okay, well, then, bye. Why am I even talking to you? You're, you're, you're taking my time to hear something that's not even valuable to you. So this is how our prayer sounds to the Lord. Father, God is not concerned with your prayers and what you're saying, because nor are you. He said, what you talking about, Willis? 
What you saying to me? <laughs> Come on, pray with some interest. Act like it's very valuable. Act like it's interesting. Act like it's something that needs to be. Be motivated about what you're saying. Be motivated about your prayer. Come on, children of God. This is why I think the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Father God wants the children of God to get back to seeking his face with an intent and with a desire, an earnest desire to get a response response. Most of the reasons why churches are empty of prayer services, brother, is because people's prayers aren't being answered. And I'm so sorry that hurts your feelings, but it is the God's honest truth. People aren't praying because answers aren't coming. People aren't praying because responses aren't flowing. People aren't praying because a reaction from the Lord is not coming. But I'm here to let you know that if we would just get our hearts back to a place of praying with interest every time you pray. Can you imagine that? That every time you pray, your prayers are being answered. Can you imagine that type of power that's going to come as a result of you praying with an earnest interest to get a response from God? That's the type of heart that he wants. So you have to pray and show interest about your requests. Pray with your heart connected to your words. Is this making sense? Oh, God, this is good stuff. Pray with your heart. And stop praying with your mouth. Heartless prayers don't move the heart of God. Hear the word of the Lord. Your heartless prayer is not moving God's heart, not one bit. He said, if you would just add some heart to your words, then I'll have no other choice but to move on your behalf. Good God from Zion. In Matthew 15 and 8, Jesus says these words. It will remind you. You ready? He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If you ever want to see your prayers answered, you have got to pray with interest. And because prayer is a mutual conversation, how many of you know that? And because prayer is dialogue and not monologue, God will never allow himself to be more interested in your request than you. He will never do that because this is a conversation. So you have to show him how interested you are in the request and he'll show you how interested he is in your need. David's prayers, how many of y'all know this, was always answered because he prayed with a heart of interest in what he said. In Psalms 27 and 4, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And watch what he says. He says, and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. David wanted to do nothing but spend time in the presence of the Lord. And this is why his prayers were constantly answered because his heart's ambition and desire was to bask and gaze upon God's glory. And if we're going to see ourselves in a place where our prayers are constantly answered, we have got to make prayer the priority. We have got to invest in interested prayers. And the last but not least, pray with an initiative. I love this. I think people are going to take this home and they're going to, to build from this. Pray with an initiative. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray with an initiative. Pray with an initiative. Do you know what initiative means? Initiative means, mom, to harness the power 
or opportunity to take action or take charge when others don't. My friends, I want you to be encouraged to always take the initiative to pray before others do. Be the first one. Lead out everything you do in life with prayer. Prayer isn't the only thing we do, but it will always be the first and last thing we do. Hear the word of the Lord. Be the first one to pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be the first one. Isn't that a great honor? To be the first one to pray in any situation? Now, it doesn't mean right in the middle of a conversation, someone's talking to you literally, how was your day? My day is good. Let's pray. That was quite rude. <laughs> I wanted to tell you how my day was going. At least you now know what to pray for had you let me finish what I was saying. Right? But always be the first one to pray. Be the first one to offer prayer to family members and friends. Don't just sit there and listen to them. Counsel is good. Going out for coffee is good. Come on, girl. Come on, brother. Let's go and let's get some pizza. Coming over for dinner is good. That's nice, right? Fellowshipping, home fellowship, home Bible says it's great. Small groups, it's great. Uh, going for a walk, uh, you know, getting some fresh air, going down to the beach, that's great. But have you taken the initiative to pray? Let me encourage you, saints of God. Don't get out of your bed without praying. Don't let your kids leave the house without praying. Don't kiss your spouse to wish them a good day without praying. Don't drive out the driveway without praying. Don't enter your job without praying. Don't step into the bus without praying. Don't get into any public transportation without praying. Don't walk into the mall without praying. Don't hang up the phone without praying. Don't cook a meal without praying. And don't eat that meal without praying. Prayer should always be on the agenda of the day. Is this making sense? Pray. My grandmother, before making any meal, will tell you she put some love in it. And that love came from a place of prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says this. Come on, Veronica, wherever you may be. Oh, there you are. Okay, there. I'm sorry. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. And I love the scripture that it uses the word ceasing. Mom, this is a day of wisdom. I just feel wisdom just, just flowing here. I love that the Bible uses the word wis, uh, uh, ceasing because the opposite of the word ceasing is start. So when the scripture says pray without ceasing, what it's telling us actually is start praying. And when you start praying, what? Don't stop. You don't stop praying. But when it comes to praying, you have to understand, you got to just do it. Nike, right? You got to just do it. And many of us don't realize that Nike is actually a, um, a Greek goddess, goddess of victory. But how many of you realize I'm going to use Greek mythology and use it to Christianity? But how many of you realize there's victory and your consistent, continual, dedicated prayers, your devotion of prayer. You start it, don't stop it. You can't stop prayer. Not the real type of prayer. The real type of prayer. Anybody ever been in prayer so much and so fervently, it was hard to stop? Well, maybe perhaps there's some of you that say, Pastor, I don't know what that feels like. You're going to know what that's going to feel like. 
You're going to experience the effectual, fervent, unstoppable, in, 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 unstoppable, uh, never-changing, unfailing level of prayer. I want God's people to experience this level of prayer where you say to yourself, I don't want to come out of prayer. I don't want to pray for an hour. I want to pray for two. Oh, hold on now, pastor. You're going a little too far now. I don't know about all that. Just hear my heart on this one. Most of all, God's heart. He's calling you back to a simple place. You know that the most simplest level of devotion to God is your prayer. Did you know that? That the most simplest and purest level of devotion to the Lord is your place of prayer. Father God is calling us back, Brother David, to that simple place where we have that childlike faith and we just bask and play in his presence. That's a place of prayer. Where there's not one moment in your life that you become dull, dry, or empty. Where you become un, um, unconnect, or disconnected or unsure about where Father God wants you. But prayer is flowing and emanating, oozing out of you. Who wants this with the Lord? Who wants this with the Lord? I want to share with you and I want to ask you, could you do me a favor? Could you do yourself a favor? Take the initiative to pray and watch God honor your courage to never just sit around and do anything. Do nothing about what's going on. It takes a courageous person to have spoken to, to have consulted, to have spoken to over the phone. And at the end of all of this, you say, would you mind if we pray? I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what you said in this conversation, this long, drawn-out conversation over the phone. Anybody have a friend like that that loves you just like to talk your, your head off your shoulders? Like, boom, you just, boom, gone. I don't even got a head no more. I'm like the headless henchman. Horseman, excuse me. I don't got nothing. And for those friends that like to just talk your ear off, and you could fall asleep and they still talk and wake back up and they still talk. And you're like, all right, did you not get <laughs> that I am uninterested concerning what you're saying at this point? The best way to end that conversation is to close out on prayer. I want to deputize every last one of you that's hearing this message to be the senior pastor of your, of your homes. Be the senior pastor of your conversations on the phone. And never allow the church to leave without a benediction. Never allow people to leave your presence. Can you imagine what type of impression you're going to leave on someone's life? They came to you empty. But they're leaving from you full. My God. Who is ready to walk in that type of power, y'all? I know you want to be the next prophet. I know you want to be the next minister. I know, I know you want to be the next whatever. But, but what about your neighbors? What about your family members? Have you prayed for them? Have you literally grabbed their hands and held them firmly and looked them in their eyes and said, I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus? Have you relied on the Holy Spirit to give you the words to what to pray for? Church, I'm telling you right now, pray. Pray. Every second you get, pray. 
It might not be outward. You might need to pray within. David said, I'll meditate. You might need to just pray within yourself, but pray. Don't do anything without prayer and watch God move on your behalf. Can we give God praise and clap our hands in the house of the Lord?